CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Are you tired of doing the same workouts day in, day out? Well, check out the Peloton app. Wherever you are, whatever your mood, the Peloton app has something for you. Lunch hour power walk. Park Pilates. Beach yoga. The Peloton app has it all. Try it today. Download the Peloton app and get your first 30 days free. New paid memberships only starting at $12.99 a month after trial unless canceled. Terms apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently, and we've been watching a lot. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth, and we are at Fantasia, both physically and digitally, and that's what we're talking about this week. And specifically, we're talking about some Korean action, a COVID-set horror film, scary old people, J.K. Simmons, and uh, flying penises. Flying penises. And speaking of flying penises, uh, no, that's not a good segue, but um, you got to hang out with both um, Joe and Carter, former guests of the show, both this weekend. That's fucking rad. I did. Joe and Carter and I hung out a bunch. Carter, I um, introduced Carter Smith and his boyfriend to the joys of soup dumplings yesterday. Uh, They had (laughs) never had them. So it was very I've never had them. You, we'll get them. They're so, so they... They're both incredible people. I've met, oh God, I've met so many people here. It's wild. Like people I can't even, it's like I hard to remember like everyone that I've met and talked to. It's really cool to see people in person. I have a little bit of FOMO. I'm not going to lie. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did get tattooed. I ta- tattooed here. I got. I know. I saw. And then I got my Neroi tattoo on my other, on the other side. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. So. Montreal. Is that is that your first Blair Witch tattoo? Yeah, it's my first one. It's my first. There's my That's first. Surprising. My first found. I don't. I don't know why I never thought about it. I don't. I d- literally dreamt about it a month ago and was like, I'm gonna get that in Montreal. Well, I don't know. Hell it's yeah. Weird. But yeah, so these are my first two found footage tattoos specifically. Oh, so 
That's wild to me that it's your first found footage tattoos. Well, I was trying to think of, like, I've been percolating on what to get for a long time. And it's, like, Mm -hmm. it's hard because the found footage movies, there aren't, like, it's just, like, Blair Witch there is. But, like, a lot they don't have a lot of, like, identifiable things. Everything's kind of fuzzy and weird. So it's, like, a lot of iconography to conceptualize one. And I've been trying to think of one that's a little bit more, like, weird, gross, bloody videotape style to be, like, a more Mm -hmm. generic found footage one. But these are my, my, my starter pack is the Blair Witch stick boy and then the Naroy, the jarling of the Kagutaba from Naroy the Curse. Also looks like a Kodama from uh, Princess Mononoke, but that's also fine. That's also fine with me. So yeah, but I've watched a lot of movies. You have too. So let's talk about these movies. Yes, let's. So, okay. I, I know what this movie is. I'm excited to chat with you about a, a COVID, this COVID horror movie. Yeah, so it was kind of cool to watch writer and director Andy Mitten's new film mm-hmm. here at Fantasia because I saw his film, uh, The Witch in the Window, at my very first festival. Oh, really? Uh, when I went to when I went to Telluride in 2018, I'm looking oh. back at that at that weekend, by the way, and I'm like, what a bunch of bangers! That movie was there. And then the apocalypse was there. I'm trying to think of all the movies that I that I saw there that have just like decided to fly out my mind. Oh, um, tigers. Oh, tigers are, are not, not afraid. afraid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I saw that there. Like the number of movies that I saw there from fantastic directors is just oh, and terrified. Of course, how could I forget seeing terrified there? Uh, but like all the movies that I that I saw there, and I'm like, so it was really cool to see uh, Andy Mitten hitting Fantasia with his new movie called The Harbinger. And I I assumed that it was going to be filmed in COVID because, uh, I mean, any movie that's coming out, out now probably was filmed in COVID. But I was not expecting it to be kind of almost both an explicitly COVID film, but also kind of metaphorically a COVID film as well. Oh, it fucked with me, it fucked with me a little bit. Because I think this is the... F- I'm not sure how you felt about this. This is perhaps the best I've seen COVID represented on screen, I think so far mm-hmm. in terms of the daily life and anxiety and like interactions that people were having, like they're wiping down the food with wipes like this. And this takes place like yeah. early in the pandemic when we like really mm-hmm. didn't know anything. So like everyone's having conversations about masks and testing. And I think it is obviously a centerpiece of the film, but it's not exploited. I think it's just like the true to life anxiety and that's used to create this create this monster and i think i wasn't again like you see covid set horror i'm like fuck you like you're just gonna like some shitty pandemic movie i was very pleasantly surprised by how they they did it in this one yeah and so the 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 central premise behind it is that there's um a woman named mavis who is who's dreaming and her dreams she's finding herself staying longer and longer in the dreams and being unable to wake up from the nightmare and so she's getting to the point where she's even like digging her fingers into her arms and, and like basically harming herself in order to try to wake up and it's not working. And she is spending days in a dream. And of course, the the other subtext of this is that, you know, she's waking from a, a figure, a literal nightmare into a figurative one because, you know, she she's existing in COVID and at the early times of COVID to the point where I was like, oh, wow, this is definitely capturing that sort of loneliness and isolation that happened. It's particularly at the very beginning of it. There's a moment where her friend from from college 
um, because she calls her friend because she has no one else to call. And they had made a pact back in, in college times. And her friend Monique uh, breaks isolation that she's been isolating with her father and her brother. And she breaks that because she feels that she has to. She told Mavis at one point, if something happens to you, I will be there. And there's this moment where they finally get together and they're like, I've been isolating. And Mavis is like, I order everything in. I don't go out. I've not left the apartment. And they're like, is this okay? And they give each other a hug. And it just, it brought me back to that moment at the beginning of the pandemic where it's like this loneliness and you're just hoping for some kind of human companionship, particularly for those who are living alone. And it just like, oof, it got me in my feels immediately. But like, it uses that with this idea, this nightmare, and there's a figure in the nightmare. And it has, I think this movie pulls from like Nightmare on Elm Street, obviously. There's like a figure in the dreams. It plays with like expectations of walking from reality into dreams and back out of it in an interesting way where it's sometimes difficult to tell if the next scene that you're seeing is actually in a nightmare or if it's in the waking world. Um, I'm curious what, what you thought of this film. Yeah, I, I like you said, I think I was just really impressed with how it handled COVID and it didn't use it as some like, a gimmick for fear, but rather used it to kind of make you connect with the movie more. Mm-hmm. And what I also loved in this movie was our main character, Monique, is like the best friend you could ever want. Like, And I love when horror mm-hmm. movies have like Monique goes to Mavis and is like, let's figure this shit out. It wasn't like, you're crazy, bitch. And like, I don't believe right. you, but like. She's like, I'll sleep in the same bed with you to make sure you're safe. Like, it was just like... That moment. I get goosebumps thinking about it. Because, like, again, you just don't typically see in horror movies, like, that supportive person that's like, I'm I'm there. I'm going to help you. I'll listen to you. And, like, I'm here to help you. And, it, like, she doubts her for, like, two seconds. But, like, not in a shitty mm-hmm. way. But, like, I'm trying to get you help kind of way. And then it's just, like, I that alliance to me is so important. Because, again, like, you get the crazy woman trope all the time in horror. And having these two... Mm-hmm subvert that in such a fascinating and like careful way to me I think was really important to see and I didn't realize how important it was going to be for me until I saw it and I was like I want more people like Monique in horror movies who are just like supportive friends you can still be scary and like have that tension ramp up and not have like the girls hate each other or have people like call crazy so so it, it, what happens is that, you know, Mavis has been dreaming about this, this figure that's dressed in like um, a plague doctor attire. <laughs> that was so on the nose, though. I was, that made me giggle. I was like, I like the design, but the plague, and they, they do playfully mention it where they're just like, he took on the plague doctor design because it's because fu- like he has a fucked up sense of humor. I'm like, I guess, but that's just like so obvious and it doesn't. I didn't. I think you didn't like. It. I think you liked it less than I did. I think I didn't have I as did. much of a problem with it as you did. But I want to hear what you thought about it. I loved everything about this movie except for the actual harbinger. Um, <laughs> Oops. I thought it was a little silly. I'm not gonna lie. Okay. I thought the design was a little silly. Um, okay. That's so funny because I thought it was silly. On for some reason, I was like, he's fucking with them, so he's like looking kind of silly. But that also might just be me reading too much into it that was like literally and i i love this film like this is a great film i'm trying to write my review about it right now and i'm going to give it a positive one i really did enjoy this film and i think it's it's tackling a lot of really interesting things i think it's a good calling card for andy to be like hey bitches let me direct a nightmare on elm street movie because Ugh. it really nails that feel yes. of the original nightmare on elm street where reality and dreams sort of like intermix with each other and it's not some kind of like we're going to be really stylish 
and make it and make like the world explode like in the <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street remake or any of the kind of candy coloredness that some of the later Nightmare on Elm Streets moved into. Um, so I, I think, and I actually really like this as I was watching this going, man, if you took out the Harbinger and just put Freddy in this, this would be a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Like it's just, it has that sort of dread, that feeling, that whole aesthetic. I just, I love this movie. I just thought the Harbinger itself was a little silly. Yeah, I, I was really surprised pleasantly surprised with it which sounds terrible like I don't even it sounds like so terrible saying pleasantly surprised it's just like I don't know it's the, again it's the COVID it's the COVID descriptor I just get my I just get mm-hmm. a little bit defensive not defensive but just like mm, I'm not sure but it really is like a very beautiful and scary and sad look at pandemic and like how it affected people in isolation and like they do a lot of discussion about I you know I won't spoil it I won't say anything but like there's some shit in there that I'm just like Oh my god! There's even a ref- there's even like a refrigerator truck part that like fucked me up. Oh yeah, it's not a spoiler. Like I won't say the context, but like someone there's a scene that involves a freezer truck like that we're talking about like in New York with the bodies and the freezer trucks, and I was like, fuck off, like love it, but fuck you, like I don't want to think yeah. about that. Like it really does capture that fear so well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's the harbinger, and that's from. XYZ films, uh, so it's probably going to come out. XYZ's really grabbing up all the shit. I'm telling you. They're really, I was like, XYZ's really out here. So it should be coming out soon. If they acquire, if they've acquired it, then like, it'll probably be out. They're putting out some great, great stuff. They are. I'm really impressed with their stable of films, particularly the last two years. I've just been like, yeah, bangers. Really? Yeah. Bangers. They're doing some really awesome stuff and like the indie cool queer horror space. I think that's yes. like, really, really important. Mm-hmm. So I love to see it. Me too. Yes. Um, okay, let's switch gears and talk about this Korean action film. Okay. So last night I in the theater saw Lee Sang Young's The Roundup. It in it Ma Suduk Ma Seduk who plays um, everyone's favorite buff Korean guy in the train to, Bus- in train to Busan is playing himself, but as a cop, like a fictional character with the same name mm. as him. And he's a cop. And this film is basically like, they found out that Korean nationals are killing tourists in Southeast Asia. What the fuck is going on? Is like the very basic premise, but it is okay. the most perfect balance of hysterical and disgusting action like oh. Korean action does it like no other. And yeah. It's just but it was just like car chases and Masek Do is like beating the shit out of everybody. And like the sound design is just like la and again it's in a theater, but like punches hitting faces, like shaking. It's so loud but it's also really funny and i just everyone in the crowd was like laughing and clapping so i think that added to it like it was a very communal experience in a rather crowded theater but it was and like they didn't shy away from how it gets dark too and i think that's another interesting oh, yeah. thing i love about korean cinema is that they have levity but then they can get really dark like one of the bad guys in this movie is like a strange serial killer and the way they balance this out, like they balance those tones are just, I was just really impressed and had a lot of fun. And like, it's nothing groundbreaking, but it's just a really fun, good time. And I was really excited to see something like that here and like have a really fun action movie experience in a theater like that. It was just, it was a 10 out of 10 
experience. Oh, yeah. I, I say. Yeah, I'm curious how it plays when you're not in a theater. But it's still, it's, it is like, it doesn't, it goes by, it's it's 106 minutes, it's not that long, but like it goes by really fast because it's paced really well and like all of the beats are just like move forward really quickly and it's also just really cool to see how everything falls together because um, Masyuk Du's character, oh, I know I was wrong, Ma, okay, I'm so sorry, Ma, Ma Dong-Syuk is the actor, Ma Syuk Du is the character. I apologize. Okay. I got them. They're wow. just, my brain was just like, they're the same name because they're almost yeah. the same name. So right. I, I got them a little mixed up. I apologize. But Ma Dong Syok is just so funny. And like, he's just like a big man, but he's also like, his character is also very smart. So he's like beating the shit out of people, but also outsmarting them. So it does kind of invert that expectation of like the big dumb cop. But also, mm-hmm. every, they, this also makes fun of cops. Like, because like, every Korean movie makes fun of cops. And like government officials, so yeah, it was a great time. If you have a chance to pick to this, I don't know when it's coming out in the states or if it's coming out in the states. Like, besides like a streaming release, maybe. That's well. That's one of the the problems. Well, not problems, but it's one of the the cool things about covering Fantasia is that there are a lot of Asian films that they per, that they play there that you might not see here. There was um, I saw a movie that was um, a remake of I think it's called Sleep Tight, which was like a a Spanish film. I think it's called sleep tight, but there was a remake of it that kind of changed the the narrative. And I'm not even sure if that's still, if that ever came out here. And that was like, gosh, three years ago. Yeah. There's a couple movies I've seen like that. Like I saw one today. This is very briefly um, called Pieta and it's a Spanish mm. movie and it's fucking weird, but it's queer. It's by Eduardo Casanova, who was described in the pamphlet as one of Europe's up and coming weirdo disturbing directors. So I was like, <laughs> Sign me up. 10 a.m. screening. I'm hungover. Let's go. This movie is about brain cancer, narcissistic mothers, and incest. It's highly stylized. It's fucking weird. It's got unicorns in it, and I loved every second of it. What the fuck? Made no sense. But I just want to plug (laughs) that one because that was the most me movie I've ever seen. I had a great time. It's fucked up as shit. It's great. So, like, that movie. I don't know, like, where that's going to go. Hopefully somewhere, but like, this is, I want to see. This is going to be the kind of movie that's going to show up on like movie in like twenty years of like queer cinema from like the twenty twenties kind of situation. I bet, but it's good. It's fucking bizarre and gross. Oh Jesus! If it doesn't have it a really a little transgressive, which again, oh God, give yeah, me all the transgressive queer horror. I need more of it. There's an incredibly strange comparison in this movie between a narcissistic mother and Kim Jong Il. And establishing this connection between North Korean fascism and a, this narcissistic mother who is like a, who is like a dictator in this guy's life, it's incredible. A ten out of ten. Wild. Holy shit. Insane. Absolutely insane. But yeah, wow. so I snuck that one in there. But I was just like, that's a movie that I think people need to seek out if they, they like weird Europe European art house disturbing shit. That's the one. If you don't like if you don't like Yorgos Lanthimos, then watch this one because it's like <laughs> still weird, but like not the like stilted. Yeah. It's like much more emotional and like charged emotionally rather than just like talking like this about death. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, what J.K. Simmons, I'm obsessed with him. So I want to hear everything about J.K. Simmons that you have to tell me. All right. So um, I... Also at Fantasia, I mean, all these films are at Fantasia, but uh, I watched Glorious, which is Dr. Rebecca McKendry's uh, latest film. 
which has Ryan Quantin in it. <laughs> Dead silence. <laughs> and it's the first time that I was like, oh, dude can act. We, okay, everyone listen to our Dead Silence episode because we talk about how much we love him. This is with Addison Peacock. I love him. But we definitely like talk about how he's not a very good actor. So I'm very excited <laughs> to hear that perhaps we're in a new era. Well, you know, and I was I was actually, I'll be honest, a little concerned going into this movie because it is, a, for the most part, a single location movie. It is about a man named Wes who is fleeing a bad ba- breakup and he stops at a rest stop. He gets emotional. He burns a bunch of shit, gets drunk, wakes up. His pants are shredded and he is laying in his boxers and his and his like... Uh, his shirt he goes into the bathroom and he gets stuck inside the bathroom with a in a two-stall bathroom next to a stall that has a glory hole and this uh eldritch design centered drawn around the glory hole put and- your dick in it well, that was really bad. i'm in a <laughs> hotel room i probably should not yell that in this hotel Yes, by the way, unless you're watching this, you might not realize this, that Mary Beth is literally recording on scene from Fantasia. Live on the ground. I brought my fucking microphone. (laughs) I'm a professional fucking podcaster, bitch. I brought my mic with me. I'm ready to go. Anyway. Fuck yeah. Not to toot my own Uh, horn while you're in your mic. (laughs) (laughs) But he, he realizes that there is, the stall next to him is very dark. He doesn't, he can't see what's in there, but there is a very mysterious voice speaking to him. Played by J.K. Simmons. <laughs> and so this is where I was worried because it's literally the two of them in this rest stop bathroom. And I was like, ooh, does Ryan Quantin have the chops to pull this off? Because <laughs> I know J.K. Simmons does. But I was like, does Ryan Quantin? And he does. And this movie is um, surprisingly funny, surprisingly gory. Okay. Lovecraftian in a cosmic horror sort of way. Uh, this is not a spoiler to say that at one at the very beginning, um, when Ryan is trying, well, when Wes, sorry, when Wes is trying to figure out, <laughs> when Ryan <laughs> is trying to figure out the who is in the stall next to him, sitting in the glory hole stall, he J.K. Simmons's character tells him that he needs to stick out his tongue, hold it with his forefinger and his and pronounce "got another one." that way and that is how you say his name one more time got another one got another one mm-hmm. am i gonna say something like stupidly offensive right now no it's just <laughs> got another one <laughs> but it it's how i would imagine some like sorry some like lovecrafty <laughs> It's how I would imagine some Lovecraftian god explaining to a mortal how to say his name. It's a, that's true. Just like it doesn't make sense. Because let's be honest, Cthulhu. Like, okay, we know how to say it because it's been said so many times. But there's one that starts with a Y and a G and a G and a oh, all the other levels. Y- Yagasoth, um, Shub. I won't say her other part of her name because it's pretty offensive. There's like the weird R- Relay Fatagan, whatever the fuck that everyone's. Sorry, uh-huh. guys. Haven't committed that one to memory. Yeah. But yeah, I love <laughs> Sorry, the more I think about it, the more it makes me giggle. Okay, so cool. So I feel like I'd vibe with that humor. I like that. Yes. 
And there are like a few moments in this where I was like, wait, are they going to do this thing? And they do. And I just burst out laughing in terms of like the stuff that the antics they get up to in this very closed space. I really, really, really enjoyed this movie much more than I expected to. Fuck yeah. Okay, cool. I'm excited. I was excited to watch it because J.K. Simmons is my one of my favorites. And He's I so love good. Dr. McKendry and Ryan Quans and I like to look at him, but it's really cool to hear that like He's he's a he's got good acting chops, so I'm stoked. Speaking of, and I'm I'm sorry for uh, reducing him to a piece of meat, but speaking of looking at Ryan Quantin, he he has such nice legs because he's in his boxers and a shirt, so unfortunately <laughs> can't see the top of him. But he has nice legs. I had to comment on that while I was watching this movie. So, um, but the good news is is that this is a Shutter release, and you'll be able y'all be able to watch it really soon because it comes out in August. So yeah, oh wow, that's right, it comes out so soon. So that's exciting. There, see, there are some Fantasia movies that are coming out soon and others where we're like, I don't know if it'll ever see the light of day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I have fucking no idea. But yeah, I really enjoyed this one. So yeah, that's awesome. Glorious is the name. Glorious. It sounds glorious. Oh boy. I want to hear about Scary Old People. I know what movie this is and I can't wait to watch it myself. Okay, so this is The Elderly, which is the newest film from Fernando Gonzalez, uh, Gonzalez Gomez and uh, Raul Cerezo, who did The Passenger, which came out like a month or two ago, maybe, give or take. Did we talk about The Passenger? I think you, you talked about The Passenger, I right? did talk did. about it. Mm-hmm. So this could not be more different than The Passenger. <laughs> it is not a comedy whatsoever. It is a bleak, weird-ass movie about... An old man who has to move back in with his son, with his son, his son's new wife, and um, his granddaughter after the very sudden suicide of his wife. Um, there's Oof. a very graphic suicide scene at the beginning of this movie, so just Oof. like be mentally prepared for that. Um, like very like this this movie I think was made to sh- was very much made to kind of get under your skin a lot of this movie is playing with like taboos around how we treat old people and how what, how we think about and talk to and just interact with old people and it's a fascinating look at like what happens when you keep treating people that way um i don't want to spoil too much as it goes some fucking bananagrams places but basically he moves in and things start getting like super weird for the whole family and it's this interesting kind of intergenerational trauma look, but also not just through the lens of like all men or all women, because it's the grandfather and then it's his son and then it's his daughter. And his daughter is this is played by the same woman who played the young girl in The Passenger. Um, oh, OK. Yeah. So they're working with her a lot. But so it's very interesting to see kind of this lineage of trauma and lineage of family that's not. So gender focused, because again, like, I feel like we do that a lot in horror. It's like, oh, it's all passed down through men or through women. And here it's more like a little bit more nuanced. And also like the the son has remarried and she's pregnant with a new baby. So there's some interesting stuff going on there, too, in terms of generational stuff and aging and like cycles of life and death. I think that they I mean, I think there are some like. <coughs> like writing inconsistencies and i think some of the stuff at the end could have been like landed a little bit harder or could have come up sooner but like i I didn't hear a lot of people like super singing its praises but i was like it's fucking nuts like i thought it was cool i thought like it was really like 
It was definitely trying to be like one of the extreme movies of the festival. And I think it could have gone even harder. I think it definitely has some moments where I'm like, holy shit, could have gone harder. But that's also just me, personal preference. Like, <laughs> I just like to see like fucked up shit, like the sadness. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, because you had mentioned off offline that you thought they were trying to be like this year's the sadness. I, that is my thought. I, I don't know what else is like. I've been so, so I'm, I'm here in person for this week. I have not yeah, paid attention really to what's really going on the next two weeks after the festival, like mm-hmm. when I leave, because there's so many fucking movies. So, like, I don't know if anything else is supposed to be like that, but this one was like pretty shocking, like gory. I think, like, playing with taboos, not even remotely close to the sadness, like, it's not like that, but I think it was trying to play in that same kind of that same space. It's not. Ex- yeah. I wouldn't call it extreme horror. It's not extreme. It's like that weird. Okay. It's like extreme horror that's marketable rather than extreme horror that like sickos like <laughs> me covet on the internet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. We yeah, yeah. Throw me in there too. Yeah. 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 So I think it'll definitely be a little bit more accessible-ish. Okay. A lot of naked old people, which is great. And um, it does not have distribution yet, but I won't be surprised if they, I mean, like, they had The Passenger come out not that long ago. This one's really incredible. Um, also, quick shout out to the short that played before this that was directed by mm. Raul Cerezo, Sembla- uh, Semblante, El Semblante. Have you seen this? No, I haven't. Fucking Jesus Christ, gory set in the Spanish Inquisition, Fucked up shit about killing witches. Nuts. So that's all I'll say about that. But these guys know how to do gore. I mean, like, they did a lot of, like, cool creature effects in The Passenger, but this one, like, that short and then this feature showcase, like, they really can do some crazy stuff with gore and um, prosthetic stuff. So, yeah, I was I was really impressed with it. Cool. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's one I definitely want to see. I want to see the elderly. Uh, yeah. I'm hoping... Hoping I'll get a chance to. And then uh, ending this on a, a glorious note. Flying penises in the You know, sky. looking... <laughs> I, I'm just now ima- imagining... Uh, Take a look. It's in a book. It's flying penises. Like, flying <laughs> cocks. Reading rainbow. I in actually 100% just forgot we were shooting this in video, so everyone now gets a very fun <laughs> treat of me forgetting that people are going to see me do this stuff, so. <laughs> watch it on YouTube. I mean, if, last you, week, if you're listening to it, watch it on YouTube, you'll see what I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, last last week we were almost filleting a, a microphone, so I mean, this is just par for the course if you're not oh, watching us on YouTube. Yeah. You miss out on all the very incredible visual, the visual comedy I do um, for an audio-focused <laughs> medium. Anyway, flying penises. Let's hear about them. I just, I swear okay. to God, how thin are the walls in this hotel? I, I feel between this podcast and watching scary movies on the TV, I'm like, they're going to think I'm a <laughs> fucking deviant and they're going to kick me out. Anyway. I, I In hindsight, maybe not the best movie to end on because of the ones that we talked about, probably my least favorite. And I, I contemplated whether to talk about it or not, but I do think it's... Um, important isn't the right word but it is like by a popular director um and i god i feel like i'm gonna just butcher his name i do not know how to pronounce his name so his name oh for the love of god shinichiro ueda shinichiro ueda uh so 
director of One Cut of the Dead, a movie mm-hmm. I loved, I think is absolutely fantastic. The Noises Off of Zombie Films, loved it. Uh, he also directed another movie that premiered at Fantasia in, I think, 2019 called Special Actors. Was it 2019 yep. or 2020? I can't remember. Oh. Special Actors, another movie that um, I didn't like as much as One Cut of the Dead, but I enjoyed. And now he's back with a movie called Poprun. Um, unless you're looking on IMDb and then they stick a U in there, but the movie does not have a U in it, so I don't know what's going on with that. On IMDb, it's Poprun, but the poster and everything I've seen says Poprun, so... Yeah, that's what I've seen. Unsure. Unsure what to think about it. But this is about um, a man who is a complete and utter dick. He uh, owns this app that publishes manga that other people write. He doesn't publish original manga. He publishes um, stuff that was basically kind of taken from other people and just sort of publishes it. Very, very popular app. Very, lots of money. He, um, in the very opening, there it's an interview with him. And you find out that he kind of kicked his family to the curb. He kicked his ex-wife and child to the curb. And he kicked, and he kicked his uh, previous partner to the curb to basically be a millionaire um, running this company. Cool. So that happens. He takes home a woman that is the assistant of a manga person that he's trying to entice to publish on his platform. They have sex, and then he wakes up in the morning, and his penis is missing. All he has is a little little uh, like hole there, and that's the movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. I, <laughs> so there, there's like talks about these weird flying objects that are zooming through the the sky above Tokyo, and he finds this uh, QR code that is in the middle of a drawing of someone's junk. Like the QR code is is superimposed over like the bot the like the lower half of of someone, and he signs it and he like you know clips it or whatever, and all of a sudden he finds out there's this company called the Poprin Company. And it gives him an address and he goes there and for some reason they lay out that he has six six days, I think it is, to catch his um, flying penis. It's like Pokemon and Ringu had a fucked up weird baby. Yes. Yes. It's basically got to catch them all. And there's all these people, they sell them nets and they have to like basically go run around and try to catch their, according to IMDb, their buddy is what the IMDb says. Has to catch his high speed and then in quotations buddy within six days or he'll lose it forever. Are you and gonna start that, calling that's your, the, are you gonna start calling your penis buddy now? <laughs> oh I already do. I'm just like, hey buddy. Just checking in. <laughs> just checking in. I'm so tired. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh my god. Punch drunk a little bit. It's just, you know what? It's fun. It's fine. We're having fun. <laughs> uh but it's basically the the plot kind of takes on it reminds me so much of Scrooged. <laughs> oh, <laughs> where he has to basically go like the ghost. He's of, told the, that the like dicks of Christmas past. <laughs> yes. Well, he's he's told that like that that he'll have like that he had that he probably had a dream the night before, and that gives him examples of where to go. And his dreams were of again his family to kick to the side, his his wife that he kicked to the side, and his previous manga person. So he goes okay. back to all these different people to find his dick, um, <laughs> and learn something along the way. Question mark. I mean, like 
I get what I they're get, trying to do I here. It's a little silly. Uh, it's a lot on the nose. Uh, uh, yeah, I get, in terms yeah. of you know the man that is a complete dick has to, loses his dick and then has to find his dick to be less of a dick is probably how you could summarize it. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't mind that. That's kind of funny. But like, again, I didn't watch it. I've, I have not watched it yet. I just, the the conceit is ridiculous, but I, I see where the, the humor can, can happen. That's the problem though, Ugh. is that it seems like rife for that humor, but I didn't really laugh outside of the conceit, like the, the opening, the, him up to him getting his stuff to go find his stuff up after that i just i i didn't think it was that funny and i kept thinking scrooge did this but scrooge was funny oh he's meeting these people and i don't feel like he's learning anything about it he's just seeing that these people are able to live their life without him and find happiness without being an ultra rich douchebag but i'm like that's all there is to it. So I had a hard time like really getting into this one outside of the conceit, which I thought was absolutely kind of funny. And it should have been a little bit more zanier. I was expecting that kind of madcap energy that yeah. we got in like one cut of the dead. And I do think it's missing. But um, I mean, for some people that this might be a, a, a good, a good film to enjoy. I think, I think the director is really interesting. I like I like him, and so that's why I want to bring it up because I I do think it's a big. He's a he's a big director in in Japan, and I think he's created some really good stuff. Uh, for me, this one was just a, a bit of a misfire. Yeah, actually, speaking of Oida, I actually saw the remake of One Cut of the Dead, uh, mm. Final Cut or Coupe. Again, yeah. I won't talk too long about it, but I was it's the French remake, and I was like, what in the shit. I was pleasantly surprised. I had actually a pretty good time. Like, it doesn't, it's not totally successful, but the whole thing is built on, like, how hard it is to make a remake. And they, like, reference mm. a lot of One Cut of the Dead mm. and how they want to recreate that. So, like, they very much make a meta commentary on remaking things, especially right. from taking them out of a Japanese context and putting them into a white right. Western context. So, actually, mm-hmm. like, the film does a lot of that. So, I think. I wrote a review on it on Dread Central. Check it out. Um, but basically, if you were, had any hesitancy about hesitancy about it, I check it out. I would watch it when it com- when it comes out and when it's released and give it a shot because they really do try to like set themselves apart and honor the original instead of just be like a tacky remake. So, right, that was one that I was really sad uh, got that left uh, Sundance because it was supposed to premiere at Sundance um, this last year, but then when they moved from being in person to virtual. They wanted a an in person presentation, and so they dropped Sundance, and I was sad because I really wanted to see that one. So that has been the first the first recording about our Fantasia films. Actually, um, we're still gonna be covering Fantasia next week, so we're <laughs> skipping horror comedies again, and we might even do that in another week, just because Fantasia is three weeks long. There's 130 movies. Obviously, we aren't watching all 130 movies, but that means that there are a lot of movies for us to watch, and so. We don't want to watch any more movies than we have to. <laughs> that, that's the tr- truth. That is the truth right I there. Mean, like, it it's is true. It is. We watch so many movies all the time, and it's like, this is so optional, and we appreciate everyone for listening, but it's like, oh, we're lucky enough that we can kind of make our own schedule, so we're just going to take a little off our plate and just talk about mm-hmm. the movies we watch for work, or job, work, whatever. 
Yeah. So we will get back to horror comedies uh, probably, I mean, maybe in the next couple of weeks, but definitely yeah. when Fantasia is over, we'll be back with it. It's mm-hmm. just right now, there's just, there's too many and they all have like embargoes that are up around the same time. Yeah. It's just like, I'm tra- I also tra- I'm also traveling. I don't have time. I'm just traveling. Anyway. I just don't have time. Ugh, no, <laughs> no, no. So, but we're still having episodes. So you'll still get to hear us. Don't worry, guys. Yeah. Um, but then, okay, before we wrap up, Terry, who are we talking to on Monday? Okay, so we are talking with director, and I'm going to probably butcher his last name, um, Andrew Trauke? Trauke? I think it's Trauke. Uh, I apologize. We haven't actually recorded this episode, so uh, <laughs> recording it later this week. And this is like us- not usual for us. Uh, we usually yeah. have recorded the episode by the time we've done Little Cuts, so... Your guess is as good as ours, but we are, he directed The Reef, Stalked. He also directed The Reef. He directed Black Abyss. Um, or, yeah, no, Black Water and then Black Water Abyss. And then um, a found footage film, The Jungle. Uh, he's he's from Australia, does a lot of creature features. Uh, really excited to chat with him. And he is bringing with him the original, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Fucking finally. Finally? <laughs> Fucking finally. Um. I think it's gonna be a little bit shorter of an episode because there is a time, a time, um, a big time difference. He's in Australia. He is actively in Australia, and we are not. So it'll. So I don't think it's gonna be a whole long episode, but we're gonna try to eke out as much as we possibly can. And normally we'd say, "Hey, it was a great episode (laughs) because we've recorded it," but haven't recorded it yet. So it's going to be a great episode. It's going to be fantastic. (laughs) So, listeners, you've heard from us. We do want to hear from you. You haven't, a lot of you probably haven't seen these movies, but like, what are you excited for? Like, what do you think, what Mm -hmm. sounds surprising to you from what we've talked about? Like, I'd love to hear what y'all are thinking about Fantasia. If you're even thinking about Fantasia, I don't know. We live in this tiny bubble where I feel like we all think we're thinking the same thing. Um, But anyway... Um, do you have suggestions for movies, horror comedies? Let me get back to it. You can send us an email at scarredflightpodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I'm at MB McAndrews. <laughs> I'm at Gaily Dreadful. Don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you, Sean Keller, for music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. (laughs) And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. 
I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.